Welcome to Inside Surgery, a podcast from the European Association for Endoscopic Surgery. Welcome to Inside Surgery, and this is the first of a series of episodes live from the Roma Congress. Uh, we are having a wonderful time here in Rome, and I'm delighted to be joined by Mert Tanel from Turkey and Michael Okacha from the UK. Welcome, guys. Welcome. Thank you for having me. And I believe it's actually someone's birthday today. Yeah, I'm 33 today. What a wonderful way to spend your birthday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there is no better way to spend your birthday. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, Mert, well, we'll start with you. So can you just talk about uh, where you're from, uh, your area of surgical specialty, and what you're hoping to get from this, uh, from this Congress? Well, I'm uh, Mert from Istanbul, Turkey. Uh, I'm working in a university hospital, private university hospital in Istanbul. Uh, and I'm ba- mainly working in colorectal uh, and also doing upper GI as well, uh, mostly bariatrics. And it's my first time in EAES Congress, but I'm in the uh, social media team for about a year. Fantastic. So uh, good, you, you're going to be pushing uh, social media and trying to engage younger surgeons from around the um, organisation, which is great. So Michael, I believe you're from the UK and you're a trainee, is that right? Yeah, so uh, I'm Michael Okotra, I'm a, a senior colorectal trainee uh, based in the southwest. Um, I'm the president of the uh, Association of Surgeons Great Britain and Ireland Moynihan Academy, uh, which is an emergency general surgery and trauma subspecialty group. Uh, I've been a member of EAS since 2018 and I really, really do like coming to these conferences. You learn a lot from our European counterparts and uh, I think it's a really exciting time for trainees at the moment. And my aim is to try and get more and more trainees from the UK to attend these conferences so we can all learn together. So in terms of the outputs for you, when you, when you come here, obviously it's a great, great networking opportunity um, uh, and as a trainee, you're obviously very interested in education and progress, progressing your craft and, and, and you know, your, your vocation. Um, what kind of messages do you take away? What are the big themes for you that you, you, you're interested in when you come here? So the first thing I always focus on are fundamentals. Um, so one of the good things about all the ES topics is that they're mapped out to fundamentals in surgery, things that we, we need to know and do well first. And then I'm, I'm always interested in the innovation and the, the things that are coming. And what, you, what we as trainees need to start doing is ba- building up off, off our fundamentals and trying to focus on where things are going in the future. So in 2019, when I came to EES, we were just starting to talk about the robot in local centers. And now the robot's here. You know, the question is, what did I do between 2019 and, and now? And that's, that's how I'm starting to learn and, and appreciate these conferences is that you learn about something new. So the big talk this conference seems to be fluorescence. It's coming. How do you manage it? How do you learn about it? What centers are doing high volumes at the moment? Those are the kind of things that I'm interested in. Awesome. Thank you. Mert, how about you? Well, I'm uh, really into bariatrics and uh, as working in colorectal surgery team, uh, I'm really into both ICG and robotics. And uh, I'm a trainee in robotics right now as well. I have been to IRCAD and now I'm training in my own hospital. And what are some of the challenges of training with robots? Because obviously they're very expensive platforms. Some centers have them, other centers don't. They're not necessarily universal. You have different uh, you know, interfaces and so on. Do, do, how do you address that? It's not cheap and uh, patients uh, wouldn't uh, get into it. Uh, if they see the prices, uh, 
and uh, our professors do the operations mostly and we have to learn it uh, with AI maybe it will be better uh, but in near future. And uh, Michael, how, how, what's your feeling on robotics? Is it something that you're, you're, you're desperate to get training on and, and, and do more and more with? I think every trainee is desperate to get trained on, on the robot. Um, I think the things that trainees need to focus on now is getting your initial training passports out of the way. Uh, so get your 100 hours in as soon as you can, as quickly as you can on any platform so that you start building up your, your robot passport, essentially. Um, we are fully aware that all our senior colleagues are still learning the robot so our opportunities are limited you may be assisting but the, the things to take away for me are port placements understanding how the arms interact with each other understanding patient positioning when to when to switch to a different modality these are all things that i'm, I'm slowly picking up you know the nuances of this um, and also when the robot can really really help um, so whilst i may not be necessarily first operator I'm still learning, and I think that's an important thing for trainees to focus on at the moment whilst our, our bosses are all learning. Uh, so it's a bit difficult, but it's worth, worth paying attention. Awesome. And do you see a crossover with the fluorescence? Because some of the stands, uh, you, you can see robots and fluorescence. It's almost like they've got two for one. When, when, when I was younger, my parents got me uh, like a, a Power Rangers sword. And then the next year, they had a Megazord, you know, the, the big robots. And I wanted both of them. And my parents said, one thing at a time. I think for me at the moment, my brain can only handle one thing at a time. So I'm going to get my robotic competencies done. And then the next thing I'll start focusing on is where can I learn about fluorescence and how can I utilize fluorescence? But yes, there is beautiful merit to, to having both technologies. And I think, you know, what we can do in the operating room is rapidly changing. And I, I've, I'm very excited for the future. It's a great time to be a, a surgeon. Do you agree, Matt? Yeah. They're going to merge in maybe next year or the, both fluorescence and robotics. Awesome. Well, it's, it's great to uh, hear such an optimistic and uh, positive <laughs> message from uh, two trainees or, you know, relatively junior surgeons going into the profession. So all power to you guys. And I hope you have a great Congress. Thank you very much. Thank you. And happy birthday. Thank you. So we're back on the EAES stand and I'm joined by Audias Dolskas from Lithuania. Hi. Hello. Uh, and you are part of the research committee and also uh, a young surgeon from Eastern Europe. Can you talk to us about your relationship with the EAES and what, what you get from this conference? Yes, uh, being a part of this uh, large, uh, I can say, community of minimal invasive surgeons is very helpful for me for uh, doing research. I always wanted to do the research and that's why this is the reason why I became a member of research committee. Uh, being a part of this committee it enables me to do the research, it enables me to be a principal investigator, it enables me to, to, to be part of uh, let's say large trials, uh, la larger researchers and uh, it enables me to have a lot or to have more international friends. Uh, even in this conference, it's like it's the same feeling like you go to any bar or club alone, knowing that you will meet some old friends. Same here. I came, I came uh, alone here, and uh, I can see a lot of friends from. Although it is called European Association, I see a lot of friends from Korea, from, from Taiwan, from China, Hong Kong, uh, and so on and so on. So it, it widens my uh, circle of friends, my 
circle of possible collaborators? So it's, it's twofold really. Partly it's to build a professional network and uh, secondly it's really about the research and, and your passion for that side of things. So in terms of the themes of this year's Congress, what, what are some of the things that you pick out from you know, walking around the Congress and the stands and some of the talks that you've been to, the, the big themes people should know about? Well, I, I think um, new coming technologies is awesome. And this is the... This is the main reason I came here. This is the main reason I go to uh, other talks. So I went to Colorectal sessions so far and uh, artificial intelligence, um, new toys for improving patients' care. It's, it's, it's awesome. Brilliant. And in terms of your research focus, what, what, what is your area of um, interest in particular? Uh, I have a particular interest in quality of life. And this is one of main... Uh, pitfalls, pillars uh, in the European uh, Commission uh, in beating cancer because I, I work with uh, cancer patients and this is a prime importance and it's very important for me to improve the quality of life. Not to cure only the patients from the cancer but also improve the quality of life. Fantastic. And so in terms of encouraging people from uh, perhaps the, uh, the, the fringes of Europe, uh, geographically anyway, what would you say to them about the organization and why they should participate? I think uh, as, I, as far as I know, uh, there are not many surgeons from, let's say, only Baltic states. I've seen quite a lot of uh, Ukrainian uh, people. They are also from Eastern European uh, side, but I don't see Latvian, Estonian surgeons, even Lithuanian. I don't see many of them. Uh, so I encourage to join. I encourage to join uh, the society because you'll be uh, communicating with a lot of uh, foreign surgeons if you are interested in research or even if you're interested in just communicating, you should enter this society. Lovely, Audrey. So thanks so much for taking the time to talk to us and have a great Congress. Thank you. You too. So I'd like to welcome Daniel Preda to the podcast. He's a general surgeon from Romania and is a regular attendee of the EAS, uh, but also part of the research committee, I believe. So could you talk to us a little bit about what you do on that committee? Yeah, so hello. It's very good to be here with you. The research committee performs, does a lot. It's, it's just not one thing. So there are, multiple, there are multiple subcommittees inside the research committee. One of them is uh, led by Shiraz Marker and... Uh, one is led by uh, Stavros Antonio, the guideline subcommittee, which was something I was a part of, where we took a look at the gaps in the literature and worked on guidelines. Can you tell us about um, how you contribute to that committee, what it actually means to be a member of one? Well, to be a member of the research committee means that you have to put in the effort when it's needed, when the committee needs it, uh, to do the... Um, The evaluation uh, to do the evaluation of the of the research projects which are being submitted, to participate inside the research sandpit for one. Generally speaking, whenever help is needed, you are expected to contribute. It has been an an amazing experience being inside the research committee and meeting uh, meeting everyone there, which now I I would like to call friends and. Uh, I hope that this is just the beginning of our friendship. 
And I believe there's a call for new members at the moment, is that correct? Yes, that is correct. A new call is going to be launched soon and uh, I would like to invite anybody who desires and who has a, a keen eye on research to join us, to apply to join us at, uh, at in this committee. Okay, fantastic. And uh, what do you think of Roma as a venue in terms of uh, coming here perhaps for professional development but also for holidays? What a, what a beautiful city. Actually, this is my first time being in uh, in Rome and uh, the the venue which we are currently now is the La Nuvola is, is absolutely stunning. It's beautiful. Uh, the quality of the of the speakers, uh, speakers are top. The presentations are also extremely good the program is good it's it's been constant uh, it's been a constant dive and it's it, it I've found it very difficult to find the time to visit Rome yes but uh, I think uh, Rome is a very beautiful city it has a lot of history and um, I'm thinking of coming a second time with with my wife yeah. Fantastic. And will you be attending the next uh, meeting in Maastricht? Yes, we w I will be attending the next EAES meeting in Maastricht, but also the winter meeting in Bucharest, which is going to be held in February 2020. Well, th thank you so much for taking some time to come talk to us, and I look forward to seeing you at subsequent meetings. Yes, thank you very much, and uh, we will see each other at future meetings. Okay, so we're now at day two of the EAES Congress in Roma um, after a packed first first day. Lots of sessions, lots of education, lots of presentations and certainly a very busy green screen. Um, but I'm delighted to be joined by Draga Maria Mandi uh, now and uh, we're going to have a conversation around um, Eastern European representation in the EAES and what she feels the benefit for, for these um, participants is. So, welcome. Uh, very nice to be here. Uh, thank you for um, uh, inviting me. Uh, about uh, the participation in the EIS, uh, actually Romania has, I'm from Romania, by the way, uh, has a, a national chapter who is uh, part of the EIS. It is run by Professor uh, uh, Catalin Copaescu, who is also in charge of the FUSE program at the EIS. Uh, it's not uh, very well uh, represented by Romanians, I mean the presence, uh, but uh, it was very fortunate for me to see a lot of fellow Romanians here for the first year, actually. And can you just tell us where you are in terms of your training or your profession at the moment? Uh, well, I'm a newly born uh, consultant. Uh, I finished my residency uh, in December last year. So I'm at the beginning of my real career, to say that. And what's your surgical specialty? Uh, for now, I'm a general surgeon, but uh, I consider specializing in uh, hernia surgery. Okay, and when we were speaking before, before press and record, uh, you were talking about um, the penetration of robots into uh, Eastern Europe and how as, a, uh, as someone at the start of your kind of consultant career, it can be quite difficult to access those. What's your feeling on that? Uh, well, uh, truth be told, uh, although the future is robotics, no one can deny that. Uh, technology is taking over. Uh, but uh, the real problem is in Eastern Europe, there are a lot of countries who do not own robots in their academic environment. I don't, I'm not speaking of the private sector. Uh, in that area, they are 
uh, a lot. I'm just uh, referring to the uh, training centers of residents, uh, which they don't have and they don't have access to it. Uh, Greece doesn't have any. Uh, Bulgaria, I don't think they have any. Romania, for sure, doesn't. At, at least in the capital, I think there is one uh, uh, in the northern region of our country, but uh, it is mainly run by urologists, not general surgeons. Uh, and the real problem uh, is we lack uh, robots, but we also lack the, the acknowledgement of the evolutions of the uh, technology. A lot of uh, uh, our university members, uh, they do know they exist, but, but they did not manage yet to introduce the robotic surgery in the curricula of, uh, of the res residency, I mean the official curricula. Uh, you do not get to be trained in robotics when you finished. You have to do that on your own, by your own funding or sponsorizations. And have you got any strategies? Have you got any ideas about how that training could be democratized or how more people could access it? Because obviously there's a financial implication to funding it yourself. Um, it can be quite difficult to get to training centers. So have you got any thoughts on that about how you might see the future? Well, the future is problematic. Um, in an utopic kind of world, I think the government should uh, be in charge and take care that we don't fall behind of the evolution. Uh, but uh, the more real palpable solution, I think it's uh, that the universities may come to an agreement with uh, the industry because the uh, robotic field is run by industries and to give, I don't know, grants, opportunities, scholarships, uh, there are a few programs that do this. EIS is one of them. Uh, they offer a robotic innovations scholarship, I think, uh, at uh, the Strasbourg University, at Professor Maresco. Uh, but there are a few places, and they usually ask for a lot of uh, laparoscopic experience, which also can be uh, problematic. It's, it's a vicious circle, actually. It's very hard. But the reality is we we go to congresses, European ones, uh, international ones, regardless of, of our fields. Either we are colorectal surgeons, uh, hernia surgeons, upper GI, it doesn't matter. Everybody talks about robots, everybody's doing robots, but that's not actually true. Uh, and Eastern Europe is not just a country, it's not Liechtenstein, it does not have, I don't know, 300 people. We're talking about a lot of doctors, a lot of surgeons who lack these educations and lack and uh, I think out of frustrations uh, to console themselves they say there is no difference between robotics and laparoscopic surgery which is not true and you cannot see that unless you sit at a console as the console surgeon and understand the benefits it gives you and the unlimited resources. And, and what for you are those benefits? What, do you, what excites you most about the robotic platforms and, and being able to practice your craft on them? Uh, well, I think uh, the enhanced abilities. Uh, it's at, at the beginning, I think in the future it will be run by AI. You can uh, swift, I don't know, put uh, CT scans or uh, MRIs uh, and you can guide yourself to the exact place where you have to do, I don't know, remove a tumor, for example. But for now, they... Uh, in, they remove a lot of human stress. Uh, uh, a, long, a lengthier operation becomes uh, easier when you're sitting on a chair and you're directing. A 3D vision. Of course, you have uh, 
3D glasses in laparoscopic surgery, but it's not the same. You have uh, wristed articulation. You have fourth arms in a robotic platform. There are a lot. I think the benefits are... And I, I just uh, numbered the few. Yeah. And I know. So do you see potentially new players from industry in the market who may bring in uh, cheaper uh, price point robots? Do you think that might have an impact? Uh, honestly, I don't think cheaper is the way. I think uh, safety is the way. And I don't think this can overlap precisely because uh, uh, doing a robotic surgery it implies you are not near the patient. You are in the other corner of the room. Of course, you have an assistant surgeon who is uh, uh, near the patient, but you are in the other corner and you have uh, uh, some robotic arms which are very, very strong. It's like robotic strong, I don't know. Uh, and it takes one gesture uh, for, uh, for everyone uh, to go uh, south. Uh, at uh, some conferences, they release black tapes. When things go wrong, they usually we have that at AIS as well. When things go wrong, and I, uh, some, uh, some doctor from Japan, I think, uh, released a footage of him doing a robotic surgery, and uh, it had a malfunction. It happens. It's technology. And uh, the arms started moving uncontrollably inside the patient. Uh, fortunately, the patient didn't suffer any fatalities, but it wasn't okay. And it was on a robotic platform that is very widely used. And maybe that, that's, that's why they controlled it, because they had tech support. So you have the technician in the OR with you. But if you, you play on the cheaper one, I, I saw some cheap robots. I'm not a console surgeon yet. I'm working towards that. But the manufacturing itself, the materials, they are cheap. I think that's the same way when you buy a laptop. I don't think cheap is... So the focus has to be on quality and safety yes. rather than necessarily price point? Yes. Okay, interesting. Well, thank you very much for your insight this morning. First interview of the day. Uh, what are you looking forward to seeing at the Congress today? I know you're doing a lot of social media for the organization. Uh, anything in particular that catches your eye today or that you want to see? Uh, well, I'm uh, trying to uh, find uh, uh, when the past uh, presidents of the EIS will be at the AIS booth. Uh, yes, especially uh, Professor Salvador Morales Conde, because I'm really, really trying to get his interview uh, for uh, the EIS website. I'm, I'm very confident I will succeed, and if, if not, I hope my colleagues will. <laughs> So great. Well, I better let you go. And thank you so much for uh, giving your input this morning. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks for joining Inside Surgery. Please visit our website at eaes.eu 
for a wealth of resources, information, events and research to support surgeons from across the region.